Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Three and D Pod. We are a podcast under the Grizzly Bear Blues Network. Uh, we are one of five podcasts running through our SB Nation blog site. We've been on a little bit of a break. We're ramping things back up for the regular season. Joining me as always is Benjamin B. Hogan, who I had the pleasure to finally meet in person <laughs> on Saturday night. Ben, how's it going? It's going all right, man. Yeah, it was good. To, it was good to finally meet you. We've been doing this thing for about, I guess, 10 months. It feels like I think we started in January, like as a regular deal, regular thing. Right. And uh, yeah, it's good to meet you. And uh, we're going to be talking to each other a lot during the Grizzly games this season, at least the home games. Right. So here's something fun for you. I, I nailed down a guest for us on um, uh, a future podcast because she made a mistake and called out the other audio uh highlight coordinator instead of me uh at the end of the game last night so i messaged her and i said uh you owe me a podcast appearance for for that so our colleague jessica benson will be joining us on a future episode can't be making those mistakes come on (laughs) professional no she's she's good at what she does i'm sure it was something on the fly and just didn't write it down she was very good at what she does and she told me that she was just reading last year's notes so fair enough <laughs> yeah but she said your name though so if she's reading last year's notes your name wouldn't be on last year's notes. yeah you could have thrown you could throw that back at her but <laughs> oh i got i got a guess a guess spot out of her so i'm just gonna let it go that's good so uh four games into the preseason you've been uh live for what three of them um tell me kind of your what you kind of get of a feel of this team obviously two of them were the full squad and then there was the one that was uh the scrubs so let's just talk about when they've played everybody except dylan kind of what your feel is so far i think they're still figuring things out i mean they 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 look good i'll say that i mean ja looks uh he's got a jump shot now 
Uh, that was the first thing I noticed in the first game was when he kind of, I don't know if it was a step back or a pull up. I think it was more of a step back three because, you know, I'm also doing stuff at the game. So I can't check, I can't watch fully, but for the most part, it was like a step back three and the shot was pure. And we didn't see a lot of that last year. I mean, the shots were kind of, they, they weren't, they weren't pretty. And this was pretty coming from Joss Hannon. He's knocked down some mid range jumpers. And if you add that to his arsenal, he becomes that much more dangerous. And, you know, we kind of expected him to be more of going to the rim and dishing off to guys, you know, uh, taking the next step on being a team leader. But if he's able to knock down these jumpers and everything, it's it's going to be really scary for other teams' defenses. And also, Jaron Jackson looked pretty good last night. Um, I liked what he did on the block. Like, even when he was getting blocked, it was nice to see him go down there and work because he's going to be expected to do that. You know, he can't just hang around the perimeter uh, all the time, which it seemed like he did more than he should have towards the end of last year. Yeah, um, I think Morant – let's put this up first. People think that you and I get paid to watch basketball. We don't get <laughs> to watch really all that much. I actually have to come home and re-watch the game uh, because I'm having to keep up so quickly with Eric. And then Eric is is like – seven to 15 seconds ahead of the TV broadcast that's in the station. So like right. by the time it happens up there, I'm already trying to pay attention to what's happening next. And so we do not actually really get paid to watch basketball. We are working <laughs> and have stuff to do while we're there. But um, yeah, Morant has looked uh, special. Like he is going to be a bona fide superstar. Um, and I love his mindset that, who cares if it's the preseason? Like, he's on the court to kill at all times. Um, he is third in the NBA in preseason scoring right now at 22 and a half um, with two players. I think Jordan Poole and Jalen Brown are tied for first with 25 points per game. Um, and he's 12th in assists. So that's obviously not going to carry over into the season being third in scoring. Um, right. I think and he won't be as low as 12th in assists either. I think that will also go up. Um, he's been, he's been great. Uh, it was good to see Jaron. Uh, it, it, it's obvious that he has an emphasis on rebounding. Um, and I, and I don't think it's a coincidence that, uh, he's learning from Steven Adams in that fact, which by the way, let's just throw this out there. Um, leading the NBA in offensive rebounds per game at six. And I think he's second in total rebounds, 11.7. Uh, Valanciunas is a total five rebounds behind. Um, so I will be reminding the listeners and the readers throughout the year that I was right about Steven Adams because I am going to look really good. <laughs> he's going to, he's going to vindicate my statements about him. He's currently averaging 11 points, 11.7 rebounds and three assists. His impact has been noticed his, they can play through him on the elbow, um, which it reminds you of the Mark Gasol type big where he's willing, a willing passer um, out of the elbow. Obviously he doesn't have the offensive skill set that Gasol has, um, but Adams' impact, this, it seems like the trio of Adams, Jackson and Morant on the floor together is going to be a phenomenal uh, trio. So then, you know, we know we're starting Dylan when he comes back healthy and we'll touch on that in a minute. Uh, so the battle has been the two guard spot. So Ben, I'm going to ask you if, if you are, anybody that's looking at the, the battle to start at the two, what what maybe is the one area uh, that you would be looking for between Melton and Bain that you'd want to see somebody take that 
I guess, be better at than the other one? Uh, knocking down the wide open shot. I mean, I know that sounds dumb and that's what you play basketball and like you're a professional, you should be able to knock down the open shot, but I, a quick trigger because the defenses are going to collapse on jaw when he drives to the rim. And if Jaron's on the block, you know, you need somebody that can knock down that shot. And it seems to me that Bain has been doing it a little bit better than Melton. Melton's still filling up the stat sheet. Like that's the thing is that's what Melton does. He just fills up the stat sheet Mr. But I think, do something. Yeah. I, I just think that Bain and what he brings on the offensive end is a little bit more important to go with the starters than filling up the stat sheet like Melton does. So would you be shocked if I told you that Bain and Melton have taken the same exact amount of three-pointers and hit the same exact amount of threes so far in the preseason? That does surprise me. It just feels like Bain's been knocking him down more. Maybe he's just going to pay more attention because that's who I did my player preview on. I just want him to win the battle for the two guard. But, I mean, even in the article, it was like his numbers are better. The team numbers are better when he comes off the bench. But I think he's earned that spot, and I think that he has a higher ceiling than DeAnthony Melton does. Now, you got a question, is his ceiling – Worth, worth finding out how high a ceiling is by putting him in the starting lineup, or will that kind of bring him down a little bit and not let him kind of release it? Whereas on the second unit, he'd be more of the scoring option, and you could see what you got with him. That's, I mean, there's a lot of questions here. Yeah. So there's pros and cons on both sides. So it felt like last night, um, the game against the, uh, I forgot, I'm who did they play last night. Uh, Detroit. Detroit. Against the Pistons, Bain got the nod to start of the two with Conchar at the three, um, which is really just a fill-in for um, Brooks. So it seems as if Bain has won the job to me. So here, here's what I think the game plan is and what it and what kind of a trend that has followed so far in the preseason. They're going to put their best offensive squad on the floor to begin the game. They're going to, going to try to run away with it early, beat the crap out of somebody early, and then you you have a defensive unit that comes off the bench when you've got Melton and Kyle Anderson and Xavier Tillman. Um, like, and Conchard plays solid D if he's a guy. Zaire Williams has proved to be a problem in passing lanes uh, with his length. Um, and so it's like we're going, to, we're going to get ahead with our with our starters. You guys are going to hold, and we're going to come back in, and we're going to put it away for good. Uh, when we come back in, it, it, it kind of seems that that's how it's gone so far in the preseason. That may be the thinking when you go with Bain and Dylan Brooks in the starting lineup rather than like Brooks and Anderson or Melton and Brooks. That that makes sense. And yeah, I mean, they, that's what they've been doing. Like they've just been blowing teams out when they're playing their starters. Beating the crap out of everybody. Yeah. And that's a good problem to have. It's just you got to find scoring on the bench. And I think when Dylan Brooks comes back, you'll be able to get that with uh, with Melton or Bain. And I think, you know, we probably should move ahead to the, the next topic of discussion. That is Dylan Brooks' injury. I mean, it, Grizzlies came out today and said it's going to be another – he's going to be reevaluated in two to three weeks. And it's just another another thing from the Grizzlies that, you know, it, it's a little frustrating because it's not it's very vague. And it allows them to uh, basically have their own timeline, I'm sure, but at least give a timeline 
to the public that's, uh, you know, if, if Dylan Brooks is going to be out for another six to eight weeks, people would freak out. If you say he's going to be reevaluated in two to three weeks, that gives you a little more, you know, cushion when it comes to, I mean, it still could be six to eight weeks. Right, because the he's term just is just, yeah, he's just reevaluated. It, it's, it seems, all right, so it's, it's normal for this for this front office and management to handle this this way. Um, Drew Hill yeah. pointed out that they do have a new athletic trainer, um, so it's not like a carryover from the guy that sat Jaron out and all that. No, this this seems very much like a management decision. Like we're not going to take any chances with this not being right. It just seems odd because it seems like they did take chances with it not being right because he was in scrimmages, five on five full contact scrimmages. Um, so maybe he just tweaked it in those scrimmages or but he was being listed out with a quad um throughout the preseason game so far um so it's it just it doesn't really add up and and for me if you're battling for the play in or even that six seed this early stretch this this west coast uh trip that you got where you're facing um off the top of my head I'm, it's golden state the lakers the kings and the trailblazers i think um you're going to hurt not having Dylan um, on those, those marquee matchups uh, where they had those uh, just phenomenal guards and wings that he would be defending. Um, and you want to, to take those early matchups so that if somebody else were to go down later in the season, um, you put away some games early, that gives you a little bit of cushion possibly, and you're not fighting at the end. Um, so it's, I hope he's, I hope he's going to be back. Uh, upon that reevaluation, you, you know, listen to me saying, I hope Dylan Brooks is back. Um, but, you know, I, I realize his value and uh, I'll just have to bite my tongue when he goes and does Dylan Brooks stuff. That, that's kind of funny because I never <laughs> thought I would hear you uh, <laughs> miss Dylan Brooks. I didn't say I miss him. I did not say I miss him. I said the yeah, team. Said <laughs> no. No, no, no. All right. So who who have you been most impressed with? Um one player. Don't guess, cheat. Don't cheat and say multiple people. You can only pick one player to be most impressed with. I mean, it's gotta be Ja. Like, I d I don't know. He just looks ready. And as he goes, the Grizzlies go. And they're they're he doesn't seem to be, you know, weighing himself down with any pressure. He's not He's ready to put the team on his back and carry them. And he kind of, you know, he went dark mode uh, over the summer to get get better. And you can see it immediately. Like before last night, I think it was, what, 9 of 10 from the free throw line. Then he missed his 11th and was 9 of 11. But like he was struggling from the free throw line even last year. And he just seemed like the, the whole three-point shot he was in his own head about it too. Like you, you would see him get frustrated after he'd missed two or three in a row because he would kept throwing them up. He just kept throwing them up, throwing them up. It's like one's going to fall, and it was kind of a sigh of relief. But he ended up being like one of six. Now it just seems like he's letting the game come to him. Uh, the game's slowing down for him. And it, I was really impressed with John. Like you said, he didn't care it's preseason. He's He's going out there trying to make posters. Yeah, he is he is in midseason form already. Um and I and I think that's going to be I think the approach this team has had is really going to be beneficial going into the early stages of the season. They're going to they're going to catch some teams early um that are still trying to find themselves. The Grizzlies won't be trying to find themselves. You, you got to think 
they don't have a lot of turnover. It's you got rid of Valanchunas and you brought in Adams. And Adams, Adams is who I'm going to pick in this conversation because I would have picked Jaw, but you took him. Um, <laughs> I've, I've been impressed with Adams. My bad. The way that he's um, he's just kind of seamlessly fit in with this team. The guys love him. Um, media has already you know fallen for him as well. Like he's he's just a funny guy, um, and he just makes sense for this roster, man. Like they can play through him at the at the at the elbow, and still have the other four guys out. Um, the give and go he had with Milton, the give and go he had with Desmond Bain. Um, all in the game against the Pistons, and then him just crashing the offensive glass, and and he's not so determined to put back up. He's willing to go find the right guy. Some of the passes that he's making um, are Mark Gasol-esque, um, just the way he sees the floor. And I don't know. I think he is, a, if anything, a great influence. Um, his minutes – are right around 23 points. They're 23.6 right now, and I think 25 for him is a max, um, unless it just calls for, you know, a game where you're facing the Lakers and you're going up against Dwight Howard and, and Anthony Davis, and, yeah, you're going to want Steven Adams and Jaron Jackson out there because um, you don't want Dylan Brooks Garden, Anthony Davis. So, for the most part, Adams at 25 points, he's showing you he can get you at 11 and 11 with three assists. You'll take that all day long for a, uh, a traditional center. I'm just I'm thrilled uh, with how it's looking so far with him and how and I think it's because he doesn't demand the ball. He he doesn't have to score to play hard. He doesn't have to score to get himself motivated and get going. He just comes in and does his job. And that's what makes it so easy of a fit for him. It'll be interesting to see, like, with Steven Adams, because if he puts up similar numbers to what Jonas, like if he has a career year like Jonas did last year for the Grizzlies in the same spot that Jonas was, the Grizzlies can just turn around. If they are like, we're going to go with Jaron at the five now. We're going with Jaron at the five. They can get some assets for Steven Adams. It's just interesting how the Grizzlies are able to build up some of these guys. It hasn't really worked with all the guys, you know, Josh Jackson, Justice Winslow. But these big guys, I mean, I know it's just a handful of preseason games with Steven Adams, but it's interesting to me about how the Grizzlies are developing these big men in this, you know, Guys that we would expect, eh, you know, they're fine. You know, 12, 12 and 8, double-double every now and then. It's great. And then Jonas is putting up 20s and, you know, 2020s, putting up some Barbara Walters out there. And then you got Steven Adams, who looks like he can do the same thing on any given night. He doesn't have the range that Jonas does, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. Well, we haven't we seen it. Have he, he may have it. He may have it, but, I mean, he's not going to – doesn't look like he's going to try and force it. I mean, it felt like – Jonas, he would shoot at least one three in the first quarter of every game, it felt like. Yeah. He would hang around at the top of the key hoping to get that opportunity to take a three. Steven Adams doesn't feel like he's going to be doing that that much. So I just I find it interesting how the Grizzlies are able to develop these big guys, but they did have trouble bringing in some of these other guys like Justice Winslow and Josh Jackson. They really didn't they didn't develop as much as we had hoped, but they just cut bait with them, and they're turning right. these big guys into assets, which is awesome. So I, I think a, a note, and not to crap on Valanciunas because you know how much we loved him last year. Valanciunas has always played with a really, really good point guard. He had Cal Lowry in Toronto, and he had Mike Conley and John Morant in uh, Memphis. And so his numbers are going to dip in New Orleans because he does not have a point guard. Say what you want about Devontae Graham. He's not a point guard. 
He is a scoring guard. They don't have a true point guard. They didn't have a true point guard last year, and that's why Steven Adams' numbers were down. Steven Adams had a career year right before the pandemic in Oklahoma City when Russell Westbrook was still there. So let's let's start talking about how a center's value is actually tied to their point guard because that seems to be the case with at least the last two guys that we've we've dealt with here in Memphis. And I think Morant, if we're going to sit here and say he elevates everybody around him, that includes Steven Adams. Um, so, yeah, I think that the bookends in our, in our lineup, Morant and Adams have been really, really impressive. Who is, who's been the, like the least impressive. I've, I'm going to go first. So you don't take my answer. All right. Jarrett Culver. He is, he <laughs> is so bad. I'm, I'm sitting here at this Detroit game. Like I have high hopes for him. You know, he, the first time he got in for the Grizz, he goes two for two from three and like, in six minutes of play, and Sean Coleman is screaming in the GBB slack to pick up his extension and do it now, right after East Ponds got murdered. Um, so Culver, his the the rap on him is that he's supposed to be this this wing with some length that they can defend and be a secondary playmaker. He couldn't stay on his feet dribbling the ball. And I couldn't tell you how many times he got ripped, and not just by guards. He got ripped by big men. He looked every bit of an overseas player. Like, he needs to go play in Australia or China, you know, whoever. Because he, he didn't even look like a G League player the way that he was playing. Like, Shaq Buchanan, when he got his minutes, like, he was just obviously like, hey, this is my last time uh, up here before I go to the hustle, so I'm going to get mine in. But, like, in summer league, Shaq looked really, really good. Like, G League players have looked better than Jarrett Culver. There's, there, I have been impressed with absolutely nothing with him so far. And I wouldn't be upset if he was the one that was cut and they kept Chris Dunn and Sam Merrill over Jarrett Culver. Yeah, I was – I'm watching him, and he just felt like he's going to be the only guy to touch the ball for the entire 24 seconds. There was a possession at the end of, I think it was, I don't remember if it was the first quarter or the second quarter uh, in the game against Atlanta. He ended up getting a shot off and it went in, but there is no reason at all that should have ended the way it did because he turned the ball over. He almost turned the ball over three times during that. And he just somehow found himself facing the basket and threw it up. And I'm just sitting here like that should not have ended that way. I'll take it. That was awful. Uh, terrible. Bring back the five-second closely guarded rule because he would have got it called on three times in one possession. Now, my biggest disappointment, maybe it's not fair, but I'm going with it, and it's uh, Brandon Clark. Um, he's shown I, – I, I expected more from him. Like, really, honest. That's that's basically what it comes down to is I haven't seen that much from him. I know he – you know, first game, he was basically – he was DMP. You know, he was out of the lineup, and it just feels like – I expected more from him after that because it kind of felt like maybe he had been pushed out of the rotation. Tillman's better than him. Yeah. Tillman just... brings Tillman brings more. Tillman can dribble the ball out of the court. He can make a, he can make plays. He can shoot threes. He can defend bigger guys and, and he can, you know, maybe he's not as quick uh, laterally defending on the perimeter, but he's shown that if he, get, if he switches onto a guard, he can hold his own. And, Everything Tillman does is just 
right now better than Brandon Clark. Why do you think this – do you think that maybe because we weren't expecting him to be as good as he was his rookie year that, you know, I don't know, the honeymoon's over for him type deal? Like the hitch in his shot, everybody was kind of like, uh, what is that? And it's still there. It's awful. <laughs> it is awful. And what we were expecting, he never he never took the next step. In fact, it feels like he took a step back. It's going to be hard to reproduce good. historically. Yeah. So that's it. The, expe- season. the expectation for him to continue that is, is not fair to him, but no, but it was there. So, like so, expectations were too high for him last year. My, my player comparison from him since, since day one has been Sean Marion. And that's, he's going to have to play that's that kind of true. role. Yeah. He's going to play that kind of role um, to, to have a shot. Um, and it's not going to be, it's maybe shooting the occasional three. They leave you open, but it's going to be the hustle plays. Um, but even Sean Marion can, was, a, was a little bit of a playmaker. Um, you know, they ran him out there in the Hawks game at the, at the three for a few minutes. Uh, I don't know if that's something they're actually looking at or if that's just because we had so many guys out. Um, that's that's interesting in a pinch. Um, I mean, Clark's a great um, organizational depth if somebody were to get hurt. And, you know, Jaron's never stayed healthy. Um, so – I mean, to me, he's he's man number eleven right now. Yeah, and I'm I'm surprised because he felt like, you know, we all did the untouchable list over at Grizzly Bear Blues, and you couldn't include, you know, John you couldn't include John Jaron, and Brandon Clark and D'Anthony Melton were one and two, I think, for everyone except for maybe Ed. He would have had, he would have had Santi Aldama first. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead and put his jersey next to Mark Gasol's up in the rafters because. <laughs> oh, oh man. But it, it, that's just how far he's fallen. And that was, you know, that was probably, that was a few weeks into the year last year. It wasn't just, it was about what? Was that the all-star break in which we did that? I see. I put that together. Um, it was it also it yeah it might have been also break just gave us something to do i i guess for content i don't remember or was it heading into the season no because you had to see melton play so it must have been also a break because after that i had they had bane third and tillman fourth or it was something along that those lines but yeah i had dylan brooks way on down there <laughs> of course you did <laughs> uh all right so your your thoughts on the rookies, Zaire and, and Aldama. Aldama, I told you, hang his jersey. <laughs> Man, he dropped 17 points against the Hawks now. Uh, yeah. I mean, I could have dropped seven against the Hawks. I mean, it was... <laughs> oh Lord, that means oh, no, Nate, they, I mean... Nate Chester could have dropped a 30 piece against the Hawks. Yeah. yeah, it's a shame that he didn't make it to uh the, the, hustle, the hustle tryouts. Because you know, I was looking forward to Going down there to South Haven and watching that. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, Zaire, he still looks like a project, but he surprised me. I mean, he was pretty good on the defensive end. I was, I was a little, I was surprised on how good he was. He doesn't, he doesn't feel over, doesn't seem like he's overwhelmed. And that's what I was really worried about because we, we're going to use the word project. I mean, he's a project for the Grizzlies. Um, I'm not expecting that much out of him. I think the Grizzlies have to be patient with him, but he doesn't look overwhelmed. And I like to see that. And like you said, Aldama, he'll be fine. Uh, he'll be a good whatever. 
I mean, it'll, be great, not, it'll be great in South Haven. Yeah. But other like, than that, I mean, I wasn't expecting much from the rookies. Yeah. Anyway. You got you got five, and if you want to count Kyle Anderson, six guys that play the position of Aldama between the four and the five. He ain't never seen the floor. So, you know, right. he's a long-term project himself. And I agree with you on Zaire. His defense has been impressive. He's going to put on some weight. But you remember how skinny Giannis was when he first got drafted. So, just give him some time to mature. You know, he is a kid. Um, yeah. The offense will come. Like, don't don't box score watch with him early because, you know, he went two for 13 <laughs> in the Hawks game. But I, I came away impressed with him after the Hawks game. The way he played the passing lane, got some steals. Uh, I mean, he he passes the ball well. You know, he threw that lob on the fast break to Brandon Clark. Um, so, I, or was it Ease Ponds? It, I can't remember which one it was. They both caught a couple. Um, yeah, I, the rookies have looked good. Um, you know, I think it's kind of uh, interesting what we're going to do with spot number 15 because Merrill's been hurt and he just finally got in. And so I made sure last night that he got his, his highlight put on the radio, um, his one three that he made. Hey, it was a blowout, man. There was not good highlights last night. That game was was hard to watch at times. So, you know, at the end of the game, we gave Conchar and Merrill their love on the radio. Um, <laughs> but Dunn, you know, and the, the timing of it, somebody somebody tweeted out, Chris Dunn needs to learn how to read the room. He, he goes out with a dental procedure right when all this stuff came out about the, yeah. the 18 players and their dental fraud just – I kind of looked at Eric when he said that on the air, and I was like, "Huh." And then he he, he didn't miss a beat, you know. He didn't keep, he just kept going. And I was like, uh, "I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go with the elephant in the room here. We're just gonna we're gonna just go over that." I, okay. I, I died when somebody said, "Read the room, Chris Dunn." That's that's pretty good. But like we've seen Dunn for one game, we've seen Merrill for a handful of minutes. Um, you would think that these next two games, like that, would be the emphasis. Because they've already announced that the starters are going to be resting again um, against the Pacers. Um, and then your final tune-up is against the Bulls. So you imagine you want to get your guys' legs under them uh, before they go uh, a week from when you're listening to this and they open yeah. with the, the Cavs. Um, so I think you've got to see a lot of Merrill and a lot of Dunn if he's back from his procedure. Um, or else how do you make a decision on that on that 15 spot? I mean, what you're you're between Culver, Dunn, and Merrill. Where are you leaning? Uh I, I like you said, I, Culver could be out. And I thought he was a shoe-in. Like I, I thought he I was too. but is he even worth it? Like that's bad. Yeah. And I don't know what he was doing, like if he was just I mean, I feel like he had a spot, and then the way he played, he lost his spot. I feel like if they love Grayson Allen, Sam Merrill has a spot on this team. That's fair. Yeah. Speaking of, Grayson Allen's going to be freaking awesome in Milwaukee. Yeah. I mean, he came into his own in Memphis, and now he's like – I think he'll be – yeah, I think he'll be pretty good with the with the Bucks. He, he almost had forgotten be... he was in Milwaukee until I saw him shooting around. I was like, oh, yeah, that's where he ended up. Yeah. That's how the first, like, two weeks of NBA is for me. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's where yeah. he ended up. Like asking Chuck on on the <laughs> – who's that guy or where does he play? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so you still feel confident the Grizzlies back in the playoffs with what you've seen so far and then kind of the way things are playing out with other teams around the league? 
Yeah, and I mean, I'm going to stick to my guns that they're finishing second but uh, in the division, but I'm leaning more toward, you know, Come on, they're, they're going to win the division. I feel man. like I've already I've already staked my flag on they're finishing <laughs> second, so I can't really go back against that. But I mean, I don't know if Dallas, I don't know if Jason Kidd, like Dallas, Porzingis, like that. They don't have thing. the depth, man. Who's going to score off the bench for them? They don't. They ain't. Reggie Bullock and Jalen Brunson. That's it. And then that Zion. Movie. Yeah, and so somebody that said somebody said he walks like he has to poop at all times. <laughs> <laughs> he does kind of waddle. He does have that waddle. He does have a waddle. Oh man, yeah. But, you know, he, maybe they're better early with just Valanciunas down low and and Zion not taking up that space too. And then Zion's going to come in and it's just going to be a mess. I think. Yeah. And I, I don't even know what to think of New Orleans. Like that under for total wins is definitely tempting. Like feels like easy money now. Yeah, dude, Chicago's gonna be freaking awesome too. Yeah, Chicago's gonna be good. Better a friend of mine over. actually uh, said they put a bunch of money on the Bulls to win the title. Oh, that uh, I'm not. No, it's a little premature. Like, do that confident. Use that but, money and go but, to the. Uh, but the Nets are going to be without Kyrie Irving. Yeah, but do do you put the Bulls too? I have them. I had them. I had them six. I had the Heat third. So I, you know, the Heat are still going to be tough to deal with because you know Tyler Hero thinks that he's on the same tier as John ja and Luca and Trey Young. Do you see that? <laughs> Good, you know. <laughs> Can't knock his confidence. Got to have confidence. Oh. I don't know what else is about that, but. Well, Ben, it is now time to give me my roses. Put the smack down on well, you well, in fancy football. Whatever. My team's cursed in that league. <laughs> I swear. Like, yeah. no matter who I draft, they're going to get injured. Last year, my first three picks were McCaffrey, Eckler, and Kittle. Boom, boom, boom. They Why do you keep drafting McCaffrey? Because he's awesome when he's healthy. That's true. And the worst part is you were playing the guy that had McCaffrey's backup. Well, no, the biggest my biggest mistake was I started Corey Davis uh, in my flex spot instead of Madison. Early. Yeah, I didn't know Cook was going to be out. I knew it was a possibility, but Cook did this last week and he played. Yeah. So I thought that it was going to be the same thing, and then I'm stuck with my bench in which I didn't know who to put in other than that. And then when Madison, they said he was starting, I'm like, I don't have a spot to put him because Davis is my, and I wasn't oh, putting Davis and, in. And Davis a, had the, deeper. he had the London game. So you couldn't remove him. Yeah. Right. That was my oh. problem. And yeah. But I couldn't put him in a wide receiver because then it would have been in front of uh, Amari Cooper, Cooper cup. Amari Cooper ends up getting injured after he gets a, right after he gets a touchdown, Russell Wilson gets injured on Thursday night. I'm like, what, I can't catch a break. Well, I can, you, you, should all you should at least feel better knowing that even if you put Madison in, you were still going to lose. Like right. that decision didn't cost you the win. I know, but I think Russell Wilson's injury may have cost me the win. Yeah, and the, that, that and the Madison decision. Yeah. Also, maybe. I told you that you would have a chance if McCaffrey didn't play, which he didn't. Well, I got. I had three guys just absolutely go bonkers. So 
Right. I got, I got, I mean, you told me that I was projected to destroy you. And I was like, I don't ever, you know, you were projected to win by like 40 something starting the week. I know when McCaffrey was going to play, it was like projections 152, which I've never seen that high in ESPN fantasy football to like 120. And it is what it is. Congratulations. I know that's what you're looking for. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just giving you a bunch of excuses. So, my wife is like, hey, um, do you lose in fantasy football today? I think uh, your co-host is talking mad trash about you on Twitter. It's like, what? So Let me go check this. If you keep – I check the um, the projected standings at the end of each game week. Yeah. And and Joe is still projected to finish 10th behind somebody that doesn't even check their lineup and is currently 0-5. Do they have four quarterbacks? <laughs> they do have four quarterbacks. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Joe. Poor Joe. He's he's gonna make a comeback and win the league now that I said something. Yeah, he did that last year. I think I'm am I still I'm projected to come in second, correct? Uh I thought I saw it at first last time I checked. I'm I at, thought it was second because I thought that uh Parker had jumped back in front of me because he beat me last week. It changed this morning. Okay. Um, I don't know. I mean, I can so, like again oh, projections. Well, uh, no, you you dropped down to eighth. <laughs> yeah, that injury bug really really killed me because every week they're gonna have Madison as like projected four points. It's it's changed since this morning because it had me all the way up at third, uh, and now it's got me at fourth. It's got freaking Sean Coleman at third. Whatever. <laughs> Speaking of, we got the fancy basketball draft uh, coming uh, with – I was intentional with kind of who I invited to this league, some basketball minds. We had some some former guests of our podcast and hopefully some future guests of our podcast that have joined the league. Um, we got GBB's Parker Fleming, uh, Maz Moneyball, Lauren Gunn is in the league with us, uh, 92.9 ESPN, Connor Dunning is with us, um, Sean Coleman – Somehow weaseled his way in, uh, and <laughs> Who then gave him the invite? I gave him the invite. He got he called me out. He he sent me a text on the side and said, "How dare you not invite me?" I was like, ah, "Okay." Uh, <laughs> I just I didn't know they did fancy basketball. I know we did fancy football, but I guess I should have assumed. Um, and then David Williams, and off the top of my mind, I don't remember what podcast uh, he hosts, uh, but he does host a podcast that covers Memphis Grizzlies, and he's hooked me up with uh, some gear. In the past, he's gone to the stadium, to the arena, and got me some growl towels, and uh, I think he even sent me a John Morant card uh, as well. So um, it's going to be a fun league. Looking forward to it. We're drafting on Sunday. We'll keep you updated on the podcast since uh, we're both in the league and be talking mad smack on the tw- the Twitterverse again. <laughs> All right, Ben. Yeah, man. I'm looking forward to it. I that have means a, that the season's right around the corner. It's right around the corner. Awesome. We're we it are. Is- Eight days away from the time of this podcast. It kind of snuck up. I mean, I, I know I said that, but, it, you know, it kind of dragged along. The offseason did, and then all of a sudden it's here. Yeah, so. boom. It's it's here. So, And that means we'll be coming to you weekly. Um, we should be falling back into our Tuesday slot, if I'm not mistaken, um, unless there's a Monday game. Since both of us will be working the game, it'll be tough for us to do a podcast uh, unless we – no, there's no way. If, if there's a Monday game, you will not be getting a Tuesday podcast from us. Um, we will get one in uh, 
sometime that week. Ben, I've got a baseball game to go catch up and watch. Um, Good luck. I know what's going on. I'm not going to tell you. Thanks. I just need the I need the Giants to knock out the Dodgers, no matter what happens with the Braves. Um, sick of the Dodgers. They're like the new Yankees. Uh, everybody is. Just need one more, one more win. One more win. Anything you want to throw out there before we hop off? Nah, man. Uh, I'm not watching baseball anymore this season. Um, Cardinals fan down bad. Hey, we we have another matchup this weekend, do we not? It's Ole Miss Ole and Miss Knoxville. Or UT, yeah. Yeah. Blaine so Kiffin. Hottie Toddy. Kiffin returns to Knoxville. <laughs> uh, how do you feel about that one? I think it's going to be high scoring. I mean, the way Tennessee's been running up the score in the first half the last couple of games, I'm actually uh, a little excited about it. Uh, I'm, I think I'm nervous. We have a shot. Yeah, at the beginning of the year. I had, I thought it was an easy win. I thought it was an easy win. Yeah. I did too. And I I have a little bit of a hope. A little bit of hope. uh, Hope's what kills you. Hope's what kills you. (laughs) Hey, as a Tennessee fan, I haven't had much hope uh, in the past few years. And like football season has been kind of terrible for me. Like the past, I don't know, two decades. Being a Raider (laughs) fan and a Balls fan. Not much hope there. You lost a coach last night too, so. I I can't I don't I don't blame the Raiders of cutting ties with him. I know he resigned, no, yeah. but I mean it's the stuff, all that stuff that came out. I mean, no. You guys have to go sign Eric Bienemy from the Chiefs. Like that's gotta be your hire. Yeah, I, I want it to be Bienemy or uh, uh Kellen Moore. You don't want it to be uh Urban Meyer? No. <laughs> no, the Raiders are gonna hire Jay Gruden. Have you seen all the the uh, Lane Kiffin back to Oakland tweets? Yeah, I wouldn't be against it. Shut up! Uh, no, stay away. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be against Lane Kiffin coaching either of my teams, but you know, Heupel's doing a decent job in Knoxville at least so far. You know, it's fun to watch. Those other teams were just boring. I, you knew that nothing was going to happen. They weren't going to upset anybody. They didn't have a chance against teams that were better than them, and they may eke out a win against Vanderbilt. That was basically football season in a nutshell under uh, – I already forgot his name. That was before Pruitt. Oh, yeah. I was thinking Butch. Oh, don't get me started. <laughs> All right. Well, um, it'll be fun. I'll, I'm sure I'll text you and heckle you a little bit. Um, but – our next episode, we will uh, preview the the Cavaliers game, um, the first week of the season, and Ben will come to you with his uh, bet the bear picks. Um, I'll toss some in there here and there because I've I've been on a decent little streak here lately. Went four for four on preseason basketball the other day. Call me a degenerate, but <laughs> <laughs> I did it. <laughs> I bet on preseason football. I bet the unders like they were hitting left and right. Makes yeah. money. The base, hey, it's the same as regular season baseball or playoff money, baseball. Money's, I don't touch playoff baseball, man. That's just way too unpredictable. Yeah, I haven't had too much luck. Yeah, I haven't touched it. I've stuck with the NFL. Um, I hit a decent one yesterday where every afternoon game had a Russian touchdown, and they did. So that was a nice hit. All right, Ben, look forward to next week. Uh, yeah. Until then, this has been another episode of the 3ND Pod.